You're listening to the Before Midnight Podcast with your host, Felicia and Jessica. Grab your Bible and a cup of something warm. We're going to chat about making the most of the magically transformed lives we've been given. Welcome back to the podcast. We are so excited for you to join us on our very first series, I think, called What's Love Got to Do With It? For the next few weeks, we're going to take you through different areas of our lives and just talk about really what love has to do with it and what love has to do and looks like in each of these areas of our lives. And today mm-hmm. we're starting with what we consider like the very foundational topic, the thing that we always have to start with when we're going to talk about anything, mm-hmm. and that is God's love for us. And I think throughout this series, there's this perspective shift that we want to share because sometimes it gets a little confusing talking about God's love for us, but then... Mm-hmm how we relate to other people. Because sometimes we think like, oh, well, God loves me unconditionally. So if people have a problem with me, then um, it's their fault, you know? And it's like, okay, well, that's not really the right attitude either. And Mm -hmm. so I remember I heard it said one time and it really stood out to me was that there's a difference between our vertical relationship with God and then our horizontal relationships with everyone else in our life. Mm -hmm. And so what we're going to talk about in this episode is speaking about that vertical relationship with God, how he sees you, how much he loves you, you know, the requirements for that love and all that. And then in the weeks to follow, we'll talk about these other areas of our lives and how just because God loves us unconditionally, it doesn't mean that we can just treat people however we want and not expect there to be repercussions, right? And so what is, how do you balance that unconditional love with the conditional love of other people in the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like you said, it's so important to know that God loves us. And when we have that as our foundation for what we think of love even and what love means to us, that's when love will look healthy in our relationships with, you know, our friends, our family, our coworkers. But one verse that I think is a foundation for this is 1 John 4, 16. And it says that God is love. And it says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So if we know that God is love, I wanted to read this other verse and put God wherever it says that love is this trait, because then we realize that God is all of these things. And you might have heard people do this before, but, and we know this verse. I think a lot of us know the verse about love is this and this and this. But when we hear the name of God in there, we think about him in the accurate way of his character. And so it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5. God endures with patience and serenity. God is kind and thoughtful. God is not jealous or envious. God does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. God does not take into account a wrong endured. God does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. God bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, and endures all things without weakening. God never fails, never fades, nor ends. So when we think about God being all of those character traits, then we can really appreciate his character and see him beyond, um, see him beyond just this distant 
high, higher being and really see him more as a father who's patient with us, who is kind to us. And that, that love that God has is what motivated him to do so much work that he does in our life. Yeah. I really love the part where it's like, he's not, what was it? He's not easily offended or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it so much because mm-hmm. we, we get so emotional about things and it's so yeah. easy to think like, okay, well, because I get emotional about it, God must get emotional about my behavior and just mm-hmm. kind of realizing that, no, he, he isn't led by his emotions yes. um, with things. And we know that, but then for some reason, when it comes to us and how we act, I think it's easy for us to think, oh no, but, but he's getting tired of me, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, not doing what I should be doing. And mm-hmm. so I, I love kind of going back to that and be like, you know, he's not easily offended and, you know, all yeah. these things. Yeah. And one of the ones that stuck out to me, cause we had just had this conversation is, um, which one is the second one. God is kind and thoughtful because a lot of times we talk about the difference between niceness mm-hmm. and being kind. Yeah. And for me, a temptation is to be nice you know, and I guess kind too, but we emphasize niceness in society. It's like being, um, openly nice to people. And I think being nice is very self-focused, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you're doing that because you want people to approve of you and you want people Mm -hmm. to like you, but to see you a certain way, to see you a certain way, but the kindness, which is God's character trait is focused on actually reaching out to people in need and it's about the person instead of about yourself. Yeah. Going through, I realized how much it's important for our faith to be hooked onto the love of God. Because I think a lot of times when we're trying to believe for something, we're focusing on why is my faith not doing this? And it's very self-focused. Like if my faith could just be at this place, then things would change and stuff would get better or we're focusing on the power of God, which is important. But I think before anything else, it's really important to realize that the love of God is what puts our foundation for the motivation for why he has done so much in our life. And even like the cross, you know, and like what God did for us, the cross was all because of the love of God. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God showed how much he loved us by having Christ die for us, even though we were sinful. In Titus 3, 4 says, but when the kindness and love of God, our savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. So in both of those verses, it's talking about the reason that God went to the cross and endured what he did was because of how much love he has for us. And I think it's just so important to think about that when you're struggling with something or you're going through you know, an emotional hurdle, or you're having a hard time with a relationship in your life, or it might be a sickness or something. Having God's love as the focus in your mind makes it easier to trust his word about him coming through and his promises being true. Because like in our faith with like people in our life, you know, if a stranger tells us that they're going to do something for us, we might not believe them. But if we have a relationship with somebody and we know that they love us, like our parents or a sibling or a friend, and they tell us that they're going to come through for us, it's going to be a lot easier to trust them because of we know that there's that love there. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the love of God is like that homing device in our heart. Yeah. It's like always pulling us mm-hmm. back to him. Exactly. And even when we 
try finding it in other things and and friendships and and marriage and you know whatever yeah um in our careers um in religion honestly in self-righteousness it kind of keeps pulling us back to him it's like nothing is ever going to be enough until you discover his love for you so I feel like if you're struggling to believe something right now, maybe the best thing to do is to read verses about God's love and listen to songs about the love of God, because it seems like there's a huge connection between faith and love. In Galatians 5, 6, it says that the word says that faith is expressed through love in close connection. There's been a lot of times when I have been praying to God and I don't know, just like listening to the word of God or just in a moment, you know, just in a moment. And when I shut my eyes and I focus on Jesus, I always picture him, not every time, you know, but this has happened quite a bit. I always picture him coming up to me and like grabbing my face like this for people who listen, they don't know what I'm doing, but like grabbing my cheeks and kissing me on the forehead. And it's so sweet. And I've heard a couple other people talk about something similar that would happen to them, like imagining Jesus and he'll either like hug them or hold their hand or something. And I thought that was so cool because it made me think of how maybe the way that Jesus expresses himself is the way that he knows that our hearts are most affected, like in a positive way, you know? Um, So maybe, yeah, like maybe just try to think about God's love and just picture him and ask him, you know, how he sees you as his child and try to think of him more as a father, you know, instead of a God who's very distant from you or a God that's angry at you because I've fallen into that before too. If I'm praying for something and I haven't read my Bible, you know, in that day, or I haven't gone, I didn't go to church last Sunday, you start to fall into this. um, It's almost like thinking about your relationship with God as performance-based instead of knowing that before you did anything, God loved you. And I just listened to a a sermon today and the pastor was talking about that verse where before Jesus had started his ministry, he got baptized and then God spoke and he said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. That was before Jesus had healed anybody. That was before he had spoken any sermons or anything. So realizing the relationship you have with him is like a father and you don't have to perform for him to love you. So having this solid foundation of how much God loves us, I think we all know is super important. As Christians, Mm -hmm. it's something that we grow up with, or as soon as you're a Christian, you realize, okay, God loves me unconditionally. I know, I know, I know. And yet it's not the reality in most of our lives. We struggle with it. And then we wonder why we struggle with it, because Mm -hmm. God doesn't change. But we change, right? Like we allow thoughts to come in Mm -hmm. and allow the idea that there are certain things that disqualify us from God's love. Or maybe it doesn't disqualify us forever, but maybe it hinders his love for us in that moment. He's disappointed. He's going to love us when we get back on track. Mm -hmm. And for each of us, there are kind of different things that I think we all struggle with. But I think there are a few things that are kind of a bit more universal. I only thought of a couple, but I'm sure there's many, many more. But one thing that I thought of is this concept that God is constantly watching you and he's convicting you when you mess up. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever felt that way? Like oh, I hear it from people all the time. And yes. I know I've felt that way before too. 
And there's this thought of like, what if you had a friend, you know, or spouse who was just constantly following you? You couldn't escape them. They saw you all the time. And they just constantly pointed out when you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I'm pointing it out because I love you. It's like, would you really feel loved in that moment? Like, would you really feel like opening up your heart to that person? Like, yeah, I'm going to guess no, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's just my guess. And so mm-hmm. I think this is how a lot of us kind of view God. And we think that the Holy Spirit is convicting us of our sins. And I've heard that before from people. And yet when you read the scripture that that is being pulled from, it says something a little different that I think really changes this perspective. And it's John 16, 8 through 10. It says, when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Mm. So that's the scripture that everyone's pulling this from. Oh, Mm -hmm. see, he's convicting us of our sins. He's convicting the world of sin, singular. Yeah. Doesn't say our sins. And that's the sin of not receiving Jesus, right? The only sin that really actually matters in this this sense, in God's acceptance of us. All we need to do is accept Jesus and he pays for everything. So the only sin that's ever being held against people is the sin of rejecting Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit is constantly convicting people of because he wants to draw them to Jesus. That's Mm -hmm. the whole point. Mm -hmm. And then even if you take it a step further, as Christians... You know, what's going on when we sin, right? Because newsflash, as a Christian, we sin, right? I mean, that's just kind of the reality of it. Our thoughts are, our thoughts can be sin. You our know? thoughts Judgment, can be sin. Judging other people, anger, exactly. lust, like, and you know, it's just every day that these thoughts are coming through that we <laughs> have to Felicia, fight them. For Felicia, it's every single day that she deals with it. <laughs> just me. Just me. I'm on a And God's love is bigger than that. He's no, covering <laughs> even that, even me. <laughs> even Felicia. But no, but, um, yeah, no, that's really good. But really, yeah, it's kind of like when Jesus came, everyone thought that they were doing good, right? Like, hey, I don't murder. I don't commit adultery. And Jesus said, well, do you hate your brother? Mm -hmm. You've murdered him in your heart. Did you lust after a woman? You've committed adultery with her in your heart. And what Jesus was doing is he was saying, hey, you're trying to make it all about the actions mm-hmm. and look at me, look how good I am. I don't need God because I do X, Y, and Z. And he's saying, it's not about the action. The action is secondary. It's a fruit. I'm after your heart. Your heart is where these things start. Mm-hmm. And that's what he came to change. And that's what he needed to show them was so messy <laughs> that they needed him and they couldn't save themselves. But then as Christians, when the Holy Spirit comes, as a Christian, when you sin, you don't feel great about it. Like you just don't. And I think people think like, oh, God's showing me where I'm wrong. He's showing me where I'm wrong. Not really. He's showing us everything leads back to the heart. And so what did he say that he's convicting us of? The sin of not believing on Jesus. Yeah. When a Christian sins, the root of it is that we're not trusting in Jesus. Yeah, we don't believe his word. Like there's unbelief there. There's know? unbelief. It's just, just a lack of trust. Just yeah. in some way, you are not trusting him, you know? When you're lusting after someone, you're not trusting, you know, the person that God gave you, mm-hmm. you know? When you yeah, are, you know, hating someone, you're not trusting that God has good plans for you. You're comparing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. All of all of these things have their 
have their root in a lack of trust in him. And so really what the Holy Spirit's coming to do is say, hey, why aren't you trusting me? You can trust me. I'm good. Remember, you trust me. I take care of you. That's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So now shift that perspective to where instead of having someone constantly point out where you're wrong, you have someone coming along and going, why don't you trust me? I love you. I have good things for you, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, who wouldn't want that in our lives? That's exactly what we need in those moments. No matter what you're doing, no matter how terrible it is, that is what the Holy Spirit is actually speaking to us and quote yeah. convicting us of. Yeah, and in, in the Bible in the New Testament, it says that when we're born again, we're no longer under condemnation. I mean, and it and it also mentions because yeah. we're talking about the sin, um, it talks about how if you haven't kept one thing in the law, then you've broken the whole law, and that's obviously before Jesus, you know, <laughs> not now. Um, but that's the whole point is that. Like if, if we're just looking at our relationship with God based off of our actions, it's like, oh, well, God's only a little mad at me because I've only done one thing wrong today. It's like, no, in the Old Testament, if you broke one thing, you broke the whole thing. And, and God, his, his sacrifice did away with all of that kind of judgment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and even as Christians, you know, it's, it's not even just about salvation, but even as Christians, I think sometimes we think that, oh, well, God loved me and he saved me and Jesus' sacrifice provided for me, mm-hmm. but I, if I don't read my Bible enough, if I don't go to church enough, <laughs> yeah. if I gossip at work, right, mm-hmm. if I lust after a cute guy, like mm-hmm. there are all these things that we think, okay, well, maybe God's not taking his salvation from me, but he's definitely not happy with me. Yeah. You know, and he's not going to listen to my prayers. He's not going to listen to my prayers yeah. now. And I'm going to have to suffer because it's my fault. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, if you do stupid things, there might be a little bit of suffering, <laughs> but it's not from God. Yes. You know, and that's why we're trying to differentiate the horizontal relationships with this world versus the vertical relationship with God. Your vertical relationship with him, his love does not change because it's not even about you. Mm-hmm. He loved you so much he sent his son and his son dealt with all those things yeah. because he loved you. Yeah. That's all that matters. He wanted you so bad that he sent his son. So it's about you in the sense that he loves you, but it has nothing to do with your actions. Yeah. And that's why you can go murder someone. I mean, that's a really weird example <laughs> because that's really intense. But, you know, let's say you can go have an affair. Okay, we'll make it a little less weird. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Something like we see is like really bad. Oh my gosh, God can't see me the same. He sees you completely the same because you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, your relationships with other people might be affected, right? If you start gossiping about people a lot, they're not going to trust you, right? And that's not God punishing you. Mm -hmm. He still loves you. But if we don't understand the value of this vertical relationship with God, then we're never going to have an anchor to fall back on when everything else in our life is really confusing. It's the anchor that holds us down and keeps us going. Yes. Another point that I think really helps when we're talking about God's love for us and the things that maybe can hinder us from experiencing his love is to think that we have to reach some kind of standard in order to be pleasing to him or for him to love us or to experience his love, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how many ministers and worship leaders and Christian influencers have you seen that you're like, man, I don't get up at 5 a.m. I don't read my Bible every single day, five chapters, right? Like I don't do this, that, and the other. And it just kind of makes you feel a little bit like, well, maybe I'm not hitting the standard that I should be 
and then it kind of impacts how mm-hmm. we think God sees us. And then we wonder why we have a hard time trusting him and, and yeah. feeling like he really loves us. It's because we keep putting these like, okay, you love me? Well, no, I didn't read my Bible. So I'm going to put this block between us because <laughs> I know you can't be happy with me. And once I reach this goal that isn't being created by anyone this but me, <laughs> then I will receive your love because then I'll know that you love me. And it's mm-hmm. like... I mean, have you ever felt that way? Oh, 100%. <laughs> and I just thought of that line in Mean Girls. It's not a great movie, but that... Oh, it is? <laughs> are you kidding me? It's a fantastic parts of movie. It, parts, of, parts of it are really good. Um, but I thought of that part in the end when there, she's at the math... The math leech? Thing, the math leech. Math And match. she realizes that the limit does not exist. Because I think the a lot of... The limit does not exist? <gasps> the limit That's does right. not exist. That is exist what she says. <laughs> because so much, with, so much time with God, we think that we it's like we're trying to please ourselves honestly we're not it's not even it is about god but there's also this part of us that wants to meet a standard because we like being the reason that we see healing we see god moving in our life is because we did something right but the limit doesn't exist right like the in the bible it says that our righteousness is like dirty rags you know even if we're doing good if we're focusing on ourselves, it's never going to be enough. Yeah. Right. Like I always think about, oh, well, you know, that pastor, he, he got healed because he preaches the word and this worship leader, like they saw a change because of this, but mm-hmm. the limit doesn't exist. The limit <laughs> right? doesn't exist. It's so true because I mean, there's just something in us. Just like you said, we want to feel like we are in control of our righteousness. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is, um, derived in fear because yeah. if our righteousness and how how much God loves us is completely outside of our control and what we do then there's this scary thought of well then what if it's taken away and I can't control that mm-hmm. and so we'd rather it be based on our performance so that we can feel in control of it and then if we fail we're like okay well but I know I can do better and I know I can get there and we feel almost more in control of being able to earn his love and earn his his goodness in our life. Yeah. But when it's completely outside of our control, it feels like, well, what if it gets taken away from me? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just kind of how it is in life, right? Yeah. Like we're afraid of like giving our heart to someone because what if they decide to leave and decide they don't love us anymore? Yeah. And that's completely outside of our control and it's scary. Mm-hmm. And so we attribute that fear to God and yet it says he'll never leave us nor forsake us and it's hard for our human minds to comprehend a God that loves us this much. It's true. It's it's hard. Yeah. And you, you honestly, if I'm being honest, I think you, we can't comprehend it. Mm-mm. That's why we have to choose it by, by faith. Exactly. We have to believe he loves us by faith. Yeah. And I believe we'll experience it more and more as we grow in him and, and understanding and kind of pulling from the well of his love and realizing how deep it is. But you really aren't just going to be like, well, I, I got to feel super loved and I got to feel valued and I got to, I got to feel worthy before I can believe he loves me. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, and we have to relinquish that control because he is the savior, right? He's the one who chose us and Mm -hmm. we choose him back. And one thing I noticed in scripture that I think illustrates this point so well of the limit does not exist, right? This, the standard (laughs) that we're setting for ourselves that we think we have to hit for some reason is when you look at the gospels, every time that Jesus healed someone, he did it differently. 
right? Like he doesn't say, hey, you, you want something from me? You want healing? You want restoration? You want freedom? Well, here's my standard. So once you come up to this place, then you'll get what you want. Mm-hmm. That's not what he did. He found out where that person's faith was, right? He's like, just give me something to work with. Show me where your faith is and I will come partner with that, right? The woman with the issue of blood, if I just but touch the hem of his garment, right? The centurion is like, you know, no, sir, just speak the word only and my servant will be healed, right? The Tabitha's father, you know, come and lay hands on my daughter. It's like wherever their faith was, wherever they voiced that their faith was at, Jesus came to them and met them in that place of Mm -hmm. where their heart was willing to believe. And he met them there. And God's not waiting for you to have the kind of faith that your pastor has or your worship leader has or your, you know, YouTube Christian influencers have, or I don't know who who else is out there. Mm -hmm. But he's not waiting for you to meet that standard in order for him to bless you or to work in your life. He's just saying, where are you? Let me come to there. Are you brokenhearted? Let me come there. You know, he wants to meet us where we're at. And when we're just honest with where our faith is, then he'll actually be able to come and partner with that faith and um, bring his his life into our lives. Mm Mm-hmm. Like in his weakness, we're strong. And I think that... In our weakness, he in, is strong. Is that what I said? <laughs> I said? In his weakness, we are strong. Oh no. What is This it? is the Felicia standard version, okay? In our weakness, he is strong. Yes, amen. <laughs> amen. That's all I say in the name. End of episode. Yeah, but in, in his, in our weakness, he is strong. And the reason I say that is because... I think it reminds us again that this whole idea of us coming up to a certain level of faith is damaging to our, it's damaging in our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And that is something I have struggled with and I still struggle with it from time to time is feeling like, oh, my faith just needs to get to here and then something will change. Because honestly, the thing about faith and this whole idea about faith is that God has given us a measure of faith, right? And that he is strong in our weakness. So we don't have to feel like our faith is strong for him to move. That's the exact opposite of what that verse is saying. He knows we are we're weak. We, he knows that we like can't meet up that standard. So we have to rely on his strength you know, in our life. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing to remember throughout all this, you know, talking about God's love and, and not letting these other things hinder you. I think one of the biggest things that hinder us in receiving God's love and kind of letting that be the meditation of our heart is not really having a revelation, I guess you could say, of the fact that we have an enemy mm-hmm. and that he is real and that he hates us, quite frankly. You know, it's like we we know we have, oh, the devil and he's out to get us and, you know, stuff like that. Just very elementary kind of. <laughs> he's tempting us, you know. He's tempting us <laughs> with apples and, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, Okay, yeah, that, that's true. But how much do you actually think about it? You know, when you get a negative thought about God and you, you feel guilty, you feel, you feel like you don't deserve God's love. Do you see that as an attack of the enemy? Because it is. Mm-hmm. It's an assault on your heart. Yeah. And we don't always treat it that way. We go, oh man, I just feel this way. I just feel this way, right? And we don't see it for what it is. Wendell Phillips said, Christianity is a battle and not a dream. And I think if we're going to be brave enough 
to accept Jesus into our lives. And we need to also be brave enough to fight. You know, being a Christian means that you are a Christ one, like you're a little Christ. That's literally what it means. Mm. And so when you've been marked by God's spirit, you've been noted by the enemy. Mm -hmm. And so we shouldn't be surprised when the enemy tries to deceive us into thinking that we are less than who we are, that somehow we have to hit a standard in order to receive his love. Because when we believe that and we allow those thoughts to linger, we lose the power to be able to stand over these thoughts and to be able to stand over depression and over anxiety and over fear we lose that we we don't lose it we forfeit it over to him and we just need to kind of realize that you know just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to own it Mm -hmm. right it it doesn't we think like oh these are my thoughts probably not no you know they're probably not you can have a thought and not take ownership of it and I think if you really want to grow and knowing God's love for you, it's just so important to take stock of what we're thinking about and go, okay, is this me? No, this isn't me. I, I don't take ownership of that thought. That's not me. Yeah. And just only receive the things that you know are from the word of God. Yeah. I mean, the enemy is our accuser. And I honestly, the more I walk with God, I think the biggest battle or one of the biggest battles is that the, or one of the biggest tactics, I guess I should say, of the enemy is us taking our eyes off of Jesus and putting it on ourselves. Mm -hmm. That is the battle right there is he knows that the joy of the Lord is our strength. He knows that our faith is strong when we focus on Jesus and we keep our eyes on him. Mm -hmm. So he'll do anything in our life to get us our eyes off of Jesus and onto ourself, you know? Absolutely. Because we'll, we'll fail ourselves. I exactly, mean, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, fail my, I fail myself all the time, uh-huh. you know? Today I grabbed my curling iron by the barrel and I was like, what the heck did I just do? <laughs> I burned my palm, right? It's like we do all these things and that's okay. You know, you don't love your husband because he's perfect. In mm-hmm. fact, some of the ways that he is frustrated with himself, you think are actually kind of endearing, right? And so it's like, God loves you so much. And there's absolutely nothing you can do that will change that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing. It doesn't matter what religion says. It doesn't matter what the world says. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's why. Because it's anchored in Jesus, like you said. So because the devil can't stop the fact that Jesus died for you, he can't change God's love for you. No. Exactly. And all he can do is try to disconnect your eyes from Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, because that the power is there when, in that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode in the beginning of our What's Love Got to Do With It <laughs> series. We're so excited to get into these other areas of our life of what love looks like with other people. And so we hope that you'll tune in next week. If you enjoyed this episode, then be sure and like it and subscribe to the podcast so you can check out the rest of the series. And make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook, and we'll see you next week.